very early on was sort of horrified by just how traumatic the clinical trial experience was for children um, and the challenges that they face. And since then, you know, we've sort of moved on quite a bit where we now do talk about patient centricity and we do talk about the patient experience within clinical trials but I don't think the reality of what they actually have to endure have changed quite so much um, and so that's where I was sort of really trying to to move the needle significantly in that bit. Hello everyone and welcome to MedTech Talks. My name is Liam Delaney and this is our brand new monthly podcast where I focus on finding incredible guests and leading experts in and around the MedTech space to come and share their insights and their story. Now, coming up on today's show, I'll be speaking to Ellen Half-Davies, the founder and CEO of Aparito. Now, over the last five years, she's had an incredible journey building a company which incorporates technology into clinical trials and the overall understanding of this business is to improve patient experience and you'll hear from her story uh, just just how much of an impact that really does have on patients and, and how horrifying some of the experiences that they go through. I did get the chance to sit down with Ian Radford uh, very shortly after I spoke to Ellen who is the head of development for Aparito. Unfortunately he's not featured on the podcast uh, but he did share with me some really good discoveries and insights of what they've learned over the last five years of incorporating technology into clinical trials and also because their keen objective is obviously patient-centric focus and making sure that patients have the best experience there's a lot of discoveries that have come about that would just make sure that patients are available for clinical trials are able to go through clinical trials the entire way through so that these medical drugs and products are able to go to market which is which is really what this company is trying to achieve overall so what i will do is at the end of the podcast i'll let you know a little bit about what me and ian uh, spoke about and, and hopefully that will give you a bit of an understanding of, of what Aparito is all about and what they're trying to achieve so if you are in the medtech space or the tech space as this overlaps both this is definitely uh, the podcast for you and i really do hope you enjoy it Ellen, thank you so much for joining me on MedTech Talks. Really appreciate um, you taking the time to spend this next 20 minutes with me. Pleasure. And inviting me to the headquarters as well. It's really nice to see where, uh, where all the magic happens. <laughs> so, um, obviously I've known a little bit about what you've done and what you've achieved for Aparito. Um, but I wanted to start a little bit more on, I guess, how this idea came about. So. You've been in clinical and regulatory space for 20 plus years, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I guess certainly in the clinical trial space, 18, 19 years, uh, but also in the clinical area, 25 years. So um, in some ways, Aparito has sort of been in the making for 20 plus years, even though we've only officially been alive for the last five. Wow, okay. And then you've obviously, during this time, during your career, you spotted a need for you know, more patient, um, I guess a better experience for patients during clinical trials, is that right? Yeah, so my background's in paediatrics, so clinically in paediatrics, 
Um, and my first ever clinical trial um, I did was back in 2001, so quite some time ago. Um, and very early on was sort of horrified by just how traumatic the clinical trial experience was for children um, and the challenges that they face. And since then, you know, we've sort of moved on quite a bit where we now do talk about patient centricity and we do talk about the patient experience within clinical trials. But I don't think the reality of what they actually have to endure have changed quite so much. Um, and so that's where I was sort of really trying to, to move the needle significantly in that bit. So, I, I mean, for um, people that are not familiar with how clinical trials run, what are the sort of challenges in clinical trials that you know, patients are experiencing. Yeah, so as I said, from my background as paediatrics or rare diseases, these tend to be very rare diseases and the, uh, the children are managed in specialist centres. Mm -hmm. So these specialist centres tend to be quite considerable distance away. So for a family, they would have to consent to travel a very long distance to a specialist site, usually in sort of great big cities. Mm -hmm. uh, they would take four to five hours to travel to. Then they'd have to commit to stay there for two to three days, take part of anything from 10 to 20 different tests, assessments. A lot of these would be painful tests and assessments, you know, not just your sort of blood samples, but they could be skin biopsies and, and even bone uh, samples. Uh, so bone marrow sampling. So you're quite invasive, time consuming, exhausting um, assessments. And all in all, you know, what you then assess as an end point or an outcome measure in the clinical trial still doesn't always reflect what's important to that child and that family. Um, and that's kind of where I wanted to change. Okay, so this is how I guess the idea of Rito Kimbo. So, so talk to me about that, that initial idea. How did that? So there's two concepts really. One is I want uh, new tests and assessments to be um, less invasive, not painful, easier to do and able to do them at home. So not necessarily, you know, requiring the, the child travel. and family to travel. Um, and then also to, to sort of be reporting outcomes and endpoints that are important to the child and family. So that we sort of develop and validate outcomes that really translate to meaningful outcomes to them and correlate with clinically meaningful outcomes too. So tracking the good data and making sure that it's accurate and, and being able to utilise Yeah, well. definitely. So I mean, you know, the, that we're measuring the right thing. So obviously you can collect lots of different types of data mm. and, you know, it's not to say that the quality of the data they were capturing in hospitals are not good. I mean, to the contrary, in some ways, it is the best type of data. But is it the right data? Are we measuring the right thing? And that was kind of where, you know, looking outside of those hospital-based tests, could could we look more in detail at that? Okay, so how has the company developed to, to obviously focus on that objective? Yeah, then? so we, you know, we, the plan was then we, we were leveraging technology and innovation. So technology and innovation that was sort of, you know, available in everybody else's day-to-day -day life and other aspects of their life, but hadn't quite made it, made it into healthcare or cl certainly clinical trials. So these are integrating things like wearables, using videos, voice, photos, smartphone apps to capture outcomes in a way that's 
easy to do um, and fits into your day-to-day -day life. So we basically developed a software platform. Mm -hmm. So it's not dissimilar to SaaS as a software uh, platform okay. where we capture all these different types of patient-generated data and we capture it in real time by using the patient's own phone or own tablet um, and then providing that information then to clinicians and researchers in a continuous sort of long-term following Oh, and then the patients get a little bit more control over what's happening because they're using their own devices, they're able to access yeah. the so, apps. Yeah, so using a, we use a, what's called a bring-your-own-device approach. So we don't necessarily give patients handsets unless they want one or need one or don't have one that's compatible. But it's more to do with making it as seamless and integrated into their day-to-day -day life as possible. So they just download a study-specific app and then that gives, you, gives their patients and families the information, the instructions, the details of what to do, how to do it, when to do it, and that kind of thing. Oh, wonderful. Okay, and then the patients that you've been working with, how's their response to, you know, being able to be part of this sort of technology-focused? Yeah, so we work very it? closely with patient groups. So because we work in the rare disease pediatric space you know we try and work very closely with all the advocacy groups before we go live um, and they are very enthusiastic and passionate because they want to see their data being used for this kind of thing so <clears throat> you know we do have um, 14 different therapeutic areas that we've deployed our technology for now um, in all continents of the world so you know we we, we have a, a huge spectrum of experiences and insights of what works what doesn't work and we're constantly sort of improving our approach to make it easier for those patients but in general we get a, a very positive enthusiastic buy-in into the the experience okay and and there's a lot of talk around these wearable devices um that's that's in the media at the moment do you think this is an area that's going to be push forward in that technology space in the next sort of coming years? Yeah, I think, you know, wearables will definitely become a key tool in the jigsaw or, a you know, a sort of arm in the armory, if you like, of how we do this. But it's certainly not going to be the be all and end all. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a bit of hype and reality balance. So when we try and select, because we are hardware device agnostic, so we just use the right device for the right study. Um, and that means we have to very often consider a balance between what the academic aspiration and the scientific rigor versus what's feasible for the patient. And so if you've got a very big device that only has a three hour battery life, that's very uncomfortable to wear, then actually you're not going to get a good patient experience and you're no, not going to get a good patient not. endurance. So the question is that well, would you rather have 100% accuracy of data for three hours or would you prefer to have 60% accuracy for you know 90% of time? And they are kind of the decision points that we uh, work through in partnership with the patient advocacy group and the regulators and the pharmaceutical companies to come with the context of use that selects the right wearable for the right patient at the right time um, and gives the data and the insights that's required. Right, okay. And then with these um, partners that you're partnering in, these pharmaceutical companies, and they're coming to you to you know use this technology for their clinical trial, um, is this like you know a new concept for them is it is it quite exciting to try it are they comparing this to like what other trials they're doing how how is it for them how are they receiving this kind yeah. of yeah so i mean we're area. five years old now i would say five years ago nobody had any idea what to do how to do it where to do it <laughs> um 
And then over that five years, they've sort of been slowly showing more interest and wanting to do it. Whereas in the last 12 to 18 months, we've seen a real spike big of lift. a big lift of people actually wanting to do it now. Um, and sort of, I think because there's been a few studies that have been published, a few case studies that are sort of making other people now go, mm -hmm. okay, you know, we know enough now to actually be doing it as yeah. opposed to thinking about doing. So certainly we see a huge, <laughs> huge change in interest now in, in this. Oh, that's good. Um, I listen to us two coughing away. I know, it's, right. <laughs> it's that time of year. Um, so the pharmaceutical companies, they're seeing a huge benefit in trying to adopt this new technology to... I think from a pharmaceutical point of view, you know, we know that the cost of R&D is just getting higher and yet the success rates of getting drug to market is sort of the, state, the same or getting lower. And that's not sustainable and we need a different experience. Um, you know, we've been talking a lot about patient centricity for quite some time, but has it really moved from tokenism to reality? Mm -hmm. um, and so I think the pharmaceutical companies while they are inherently risk averse and nervous for change, I think there is an acknowledgement now that the current way of doing it is not sustainable and that, you know, repeating the same experience and expecting a different outcome is no longer an option and therefore investing in new ways has to be the only way now. In terms of um, what's coming next then, what do you see? You said you've seen a big incline in the last sort of 12 to 18 months. What's going to be next for the next few years of Aparito? Yeah, so we've got a busy few years ahead. I mean, we, we now opened uh, Aparito BV in the Netherlands, which is a sort of an extension of our um, UK offices. And, you know, for us, we you know, increasing the team now and recruiting new people, um, which is really exciting. We're seeing, you know, a huge increase in the number of studies that are coming through um, and patients using our technology. Um, and so for the next few years, you know, it's just going to be a huge drive to to get more studies up and running and to get more patients using our technology um, and ultimately just to finally change this clinical trial paradigm and patient experience of, of being part of clinical trials. It's good because over the last four and a half years to five years that you've been going, that, that objective is still there no matter how much the, the business develops or grows or tweaks. So um, where where are you operating at the moment then? Here in Amsterdam, did you say? Yeah, so the tech, the, so the tech is all based in uh, Wrexham Technology Park here in North Wales. Um, and then the sort of BD regulatory side of things is sort of being run between sort of London and um, Amsterdam. Um, so, you know, don't get me wrong, Things have never, as you'd imagine, in starting a company, it never sort of goes in this linear, straight line, incremental growth things. There's a lot of backwards and forwards. But I would say we've we've never really pivoted, as it were. We were always very clear that we wanted to change the clinical trial experience and to develop new ways of reporting patient outcomes and disease impact. And that's very much stayed our mantra and our goal. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's just trying to accelerate that and, and, and do it on a bigger scale. And you look like you've got some really, you know, interesting people that's working as part of your team that are super experienced like how, how have you attracted such incredible people to the business yeah we're really lucky that i think the the key thing is that the 
the idea, the concept appeals to a lot of people, especially if they've worked in this space for any duration of time and can relate to the challenges that we're sort of wanting to change. And I think that's the key, the key driver, the, the people and the talent we're attracting are interested in changing this as their first and foremost goal. Um, and then, you know, I also, you know, for our uh, COO, Cecile Olivier, who's running Amsterdam, you know, I'd worked with her as a regulator at the EMA for quite some time. So I was able to sort of persuade her to, to come along um, in that way too. Some good contacts there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's all within the network, really. Um, so yeah, using my network and personal contact and LinkedIn, and that's kind of how we've been, yeah, all, all, all all the people uh, as sort of C-level or kind of people in the network. Ah, right, fantastic. So there's a next, the next sort of phase is this sort of growth area you said, Celia is, is building out that, that um, Amsterdam area as well. And then here you've got between Wrexham and London, Where's, where's next then? Yeah, I mean, I don't think we'll necessarily look towards opening a physical space um, anywhere else just yet. We're always sort of looking at America. We know a lot of our clients are biotech companies based in America. And so sometimes we feel that it would make sense to, to sort of look at having a physical base there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the flip side of that or the sort of counter argument for that of course is that um we we work in this sort of virtual cloud space software you know kind of company where you don't really need to be based in the same location so you know our pharma clients aren't based in the same country the patients that we're monitoring and we're not based in the same country as either so no. i guess it's a reflection of the globalized world for all its pros and cons um is sort of how today's companies are operating really yeah true i mean we work with america we've got offices in america but sometimes we've got companies in america that are breaking into europe mm -hmm. and the only bit that causes us difficulty is the time difference obviously so they're waking up as we're sort of finishing our yeah. day sometimes but other than that yeah, yeah. you know everything's sort of technology based now this is the new world we're in i suppose yeah, yeah definitely okay so if people would like to get in touch with you i uh, want to find out more about what you offer where can they reach you yeah so the first uh, stopping point i guess is our website www.apparito.com uh we're also on uh twitter uh twitter handle apparito health.com oh no that's not dot com is it for a twitter handle <laughs> twitter we're also on twitter and our twitter handle is apparito health um or just drop us an email at info at apparito.com wonderful well thank you so much for your time today thank you for visiting us it's lovely <laughs> to reach you and um yeah if uh, if you'd like to reach out to ellen her details are there and i will drop a link below this podcast thanks so much for listening bye for now so much for listening i really hope you enjoyed ellen's story and some of the insights that she got to share i did promise you at the beginning i would talk a little bit about my conversation with ian radford who's the head of development at apparito and i just wanted to share a quick example of something we chatted about because well we were supposed to speak for about two or three minutes and it ended up about 40 minutes um so i can't go through all of it but 
One of the things that I found really interesting was they incorporated a questionnaire in one of their clinical trials and they found that patients were a lot more truthful uh, with technology than they were with doctors. And one of the things that came out of a particular clinical trial they were running was that they found out that actually the patients weren't taking the tablets. Um, so the, the drugs and the side effects and the um, overall you know, whether they were getting better or anything like that, they couldn't measure it because nothing was happening and they just didn't understand why. And because they'd incorporated this simple questionnaire through a mobile app that said, you know, have you taken your uh, tablets today? What time did you take them? How did you feel after taking them? Did you take them with food? These general little questions, um, patients reported that they actually felt more comfortable telling the truth to a device as opposed to you know a respected doctor that was heading up a clinical trial and this is one of the things that really helped this clinical trial understand why people weren't improving or why they weren't having any side effects so they could adjust it accordingly and be able to you know really run a clinical trial where they could actually see whether this was a good drug or not to go to market so these are the types of things that you know, incorporated technology can actually do. However, if a mobile application wasn't available, um, you know, these questionnaires and things like that can be uh, can be done on paper as well. So that's one of the things that's come about with incorporating technology. It was quite interesting that this is, um, you know, a, a real way that we can really understand how clinical trials are working and make sure that these, you know, really expensive drugs are getting to market and, and helping people in the long term. So that's a little bit of insight from Ian hopefully I can share some more things and I will do some more examples um, below in the comments but I really do hope you enjoyed listening to, to this story it is a merging of technology and pharmaceuticals and these new connected devices could be um, you know becoming really popular in the future and hopefully we will see a rise in you know drugs getting to market and, and helping people through this through this new collaboration I will pop a link below to Ellen and to Ian and obviously the website of Aparito so if you do want to find out more information about them please reach out and thanks so much until next time on MedTech Talks bye for now